Come on in, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 199 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features news, interviews, and analysis among the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. My guest for this episode is Susan Emerson. Susan is Senior Vice President, Product, AI, Analytics, Data at Salesforce. This is really timely. I was excited to have her on the program, considering all the um, work we're doing around AI at Azure Group, all the articles we're writing, all the webinars we're, we're conducting, and all the uh, town halls and CEO roundtables we're running all around AI. It seems like it's almost nonstop. Uh, so uh, having Susan on was great to hear uh, some of the things that are going on at Salesforce. Now, Susan has been at Salesforce almost 12 years. And she has spent the last 25 years in B2B technology and software. She's been part of three M&As, two successful IPOs, and was on her seventh startup when acquired by Salesforce in 2011. So we're going to get into the, uh, the podcast. Some really great stuff we talked about, including Salesforce's AI strategy, some interesting AI machine learning use cases, and some things that the Salesforce AI team is building. Uh, all good stuff. But before we get started, I have a message for you. If you are the executive at a broker-dealer, enterprise RIA, family office, or a TAMP, your tech debt is holding you back. Your old software platforms are rusty and falling apart, and they need a complete overhaul or to be replaced entirely. Your disparate systems don't communicate with each other, and it's driving your ops staff and advisors crazy with manual processes and other errors. If this describes your company and your, and your tech infrastructure, you should run, not walk to our website. EzraGroupLLC.com and fill out the contact us form on the homepage. Our experienced team can evaluate your technology ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, or run an RFP RFI and help you implement new software to help take your firm to the next level. And a few quick housekeeping notes before we continue. We at Ezra Group support a number of nonprofit organizations that do fantastic work for a variety of causes. One you should check out is the Invest in Others Foundation, which you can learn more about at investinothers.org. Please subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And now, let's kick this thing off. I'm excited to introduce our next guest on the program. It is Susan Emerson, SVP, Product Analytics, AI and Data at Salesforce. Susan, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. It is a great morning. It's a great hot morning. It's really sweltering here. How, how's it? How's the weather up by you? Uh, sweltering hot. And um, looking out the window right now, the infestation of spongy moths that have <laughs> now stopped eating the trees and are into their next phase of development. <laughs> oh, that's a whole different podcast. Where Where are you calling from? Uh, from Columbia County, New York State. And that's up, uh, I don't know that specifically, is that by Woodstock? No, this is up uh, maybe two hours due north in New York City. Got it. That's a, but beautiful country up there. Beautiful rolling farmland right along the Berkshire Mountains. Um, a little bit of my pandemic craziness um, to get out of New York City. Smart. That was smart. All right, so let's uh, kick things off. Can you please give us a 30-second elevator pitch for your role and what you do at Salesforce? All right. Well, I've been at Salesforce for 13 years. And for the last 10 years, I've been part of the, the analytics, um, AI, and, and data journey. Uh, we launched a product line that is now known in the marketplace as CRM Analytics, 
about 10 years ago. And along the way, uh, we used that as a foundation to bring uh, machine learning and AI to the foreground, and then to use the, um, the canvas of the, the Salesforce different industry clouds to deliver out of the box experiences that are both visual and predictive in nature and, um, and provide great user experiences for our Salesforce users. One thing I like about what Salesforce is doing is that every enterprise client we work with has it. So it's already in-house. So it, it seems like it would be very easy to bring in these AI tools because I was reading a statistic about um, AI and wealth management. And it said, well, most strategy executives in wealth management see opportunities in AI. More than 80% of firms are stuck in the proof of concept phase. They just can't get out of that. So how is Salesforce leveraging AI and how can it help the wealth management vertical? So I'm actually going to take a quick step back before I answer the AI question specifically mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe just address, you know, in terms of Salesforce's utility in general to the wealth management space, you know, with financial services cloud, it's, uh, you know, the foundation of that is, you know, a great set of capabilities for wealth managers to organize their book of business, to document all their interaction with customers and, and foundationally to make sure that they're driving engagement uh, with customers so that customers um, are you know, well acquainted with all the different financial services and products that are available to help them meet their investment and other um, you know, financial goals um, and to, to drive those interactions, you know, essentially to deepen the relationship and for the, the wealth management perspective to help drive NA, net new assets and, and AUM to the firm. So like when you think about it, the foundation, like AI is, is gonna be one of the tools to do that. And so my step back to that question before going direct to AI is to also think about the visual insights that we can bring to the foreground within a, a book of business. So for example, you know, if someone has, you know, a large book of business uh, and the day in day out question is, who do I call and why? What is my cost to serve? How are customers doing against their financial goals that would warrant a call and a discussion about their goals? Like a lot of those questions can be answered, you know, very quickly and easily with just a visual lay, way to look at the book of business. So I sort of start there because you can get a lot of value off the table just by having very directed and curated understanding of that book um, before you even get to the AI questions. So, so I usually you know, start there. That's where a lot of people start their journey is just using these, these visual capabilities to, to explore that. And then sort of like the next path is like a lot of people you know, could say in words what might drive their engagement strategy. We wanna, you know, we wanna work with customers and make sure everyone gets a touch every 90 days. Right, or we want to work with customers, and we want to make sure that we're we're um, we're 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 engaging with people that maybe uh, maybe they have open cases, uh, a sentiment that's trending the wrong way, um, maybe assets under management are trending down. Like these are all just things that you could describe that a nice visual way to get what that list of customers is that would drive that engagement. So there are all sorts of things that you can do to help drive the main goals of like interacting with customers, driving the financial health and wealth of your customers and, and bringing new assets to the firm before you even get to the big AI questions. Now, the AI capabilities, 
you know, we've been in market for uh, since mid last decade with machine learning type predictions in our ecosystem that help drive those engagement um, decisions. So things like, are there customers that are flight risk? Are there customers whose sentiment is trending the wrong way? Are there customers with a CSAT score that need to come to the fore of my list? Are there customers that have um, a high propensity to want to engage with us around a new product or asset class? So all these types of predictions that have been uh, in market with us for quite some time that help the advisor answer those questions, who needs a call and why? And when we, when, we, when we get on the phone or have the meeting, what are the types of, of things that we should be discussing around their financial health? So that's all stuff that uh, we've been up to for a while. And then with the, the introduction of all the large language models, there's a whole new set of capabilities that we are working on to drive even increased productivity around those things. Um, so I don't know if we'll, we'll get into conversations about, you know, GPT and generative AI as well, but from the predictive side, you know, we've been, we've been doing that since 2016 at Salesforce when we launched our whole Einstein product line. I am aware. I mean, we were very excited by that uh, when it came out. We, we, we follow the industry closely and Einstein was something we, we keep an eye on, but you covered so many areas there with just one question. Yeah. Let me break it out. So yeah, let's 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 unpack it. Yeah. Let's unpack it. Let's decompose this. Driving engagement strategy. So yeah. you talked about sentiments that are trending the wrong way. I think these types of capabilities are this are the superpower of AI. And that once these permeate much of the advisor's systems, it will greatly increase their productivity, as you mentioned. Um and the way they operate. So can you talk more about how the, the you know, AI of, and Salesforce develops these sentiments? Like you talk about flight risk. How does that work? How does it do that? What kind of data does it need? And, um, and how, does it, um, how, how, how does this data, uh, the results um, uh, surface themselves? It could be a variety of things. Like, you know, many organizations um, do surveys or have different ways where they actually collect voice of customer details. And so in some cases, it's just reading the screen, like, you know, customers respond with a survey and, and then you're able to kind of quickly, you know, calculate that, like here is the CSAT or here is the NPS, it's reported by the customer. We can also, like if we've got, um, you know, data that is predictive in nature, also use those things to generate potential predictions based on, uh, on those facts. So that's sort of one thing, just reported numbers and reported scores, or maybe using some machine learning to, to derive that. Um, and then in CRMs, you get a lot of unstructured data in terms of meeting notes and call notes and things like that. So some of the machine learning uh, capabilities that we have there, um, you know, from a technical perspective, it's things like, you know, using, you know, text clustering or sentiment analysis to take those interactions um, and then and then report the sentiment score. And I think what is most helpful is to actually see the sentiment score change over time. So um, so so those types of things on on sentiment. Can you give me an, an example of sentiment? Like what is a sentiment? Uh, positive, how, negative, how, neutral. 
that type of thing. Positive, negative, neutral. So positive, negative, neutral, and then being able to to trend that over time, just so you get a sense of how that relationship is going. And then on the churn, because um, you, you also asked about churn, um, this could be a, a lot of a, a lot of different data points, and maybe a, a comment about the the nature of the 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 machine learning environment that we have to generate that. One of the things that it's it's very good at is um, rapidly telling you what data that you're using is actually predictive in nature. You know, a lot of times you might have a, you know, a lot of rows and columns of data and you think it's all valuable, but not all of it might have predictive signal. And so in doing something like churn, you might have a whole bunch of different data hunches uh, or hunches about data that you think will be helpful, like interactions that you've had, like activities, calls, like the performance of the portfolio. Like there might be a lot of different data that could be sourced both from the CRM and your transaction systems. And the way it works is like you basically would, would tell the system in, with a couple of checkboxes, I would like to minimize churn. And then it will tell you what data elements are actually predictive in nature in that, and then give you a lot of uh, additional uh, support in terms of how to engineer your data for an even better prediction in terms of helping you do things like uh, protect against uh, leakage or, or looking at multipollinarity or you know looking at data elements that just aren't even impactful for a prediction, so get them out of the way. So there's a lot of sort of guardrails and support for improving these predictions. So churn, could be generated by many different, you know, data elements coming both from Salesforce and and other back office systems to do that. Churn is such an important statistic in wealth management, yeah. uh, as with as with probably in many industries. You you don't want you want to keep that churn to a minimum. Yeah. But I find it fascinating that when I check off the box, I want to minimize churn, that the yeah. system then tells me which data is important. Yeah. Right? So. And I, I imagine people have lots of hunches. They think they think what's important, and then they find out what's well, not important. So how, how does that change the way they they operate when they realize the data they thought was important really isn't? Um, well, it allows them to go faster because you can get the stuff out of the way that that's not really predictive in value, and um, and and so it just it becomes more of a rapid iter iteration cycle would be one thing. The second thing I would say is that. Um, in a CRM, like you, you, you can populate a CRM with, you know, systems or record from your back offices in terms of transactions and accounts, and you know that's that's often very complete data. Like it's very binary. There's account with a number. You move it in and go. A lot of times with CRM, uh, other components are human driven. I met with the customer. We talked about this, and so um, you know when you have a large organization um, of people all interacting with the CRM. Uh, potentially in different ways, just in terms of style and level of completeness. You know, one of the things that is often said is like, I'm not sure uh, I know fully the health of that data, the completeness of this data, because it is, you know, in many cases, human generated. So one of the sort of the byproducts of having this machine learning that tells you what data has signal and is very useful to, to, to curate and to look after is that you can start to get more, um, more organized around you should fill in these data facts because when we have these data facts your predictions are going to be even more important to you in terms of potential outcomes so there's sort of that benefit as well um you know when it's the the human in the loop that actually is updating the crm most crms rely on humans to update them yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that's probably where we used to call that uh, when, when I, many years ago when I worked in tech support. We uh, when the, someone would have a problem, we'd say, "Well, the, we we have, we've had to isolate the problem. It's between the keyboard and the chair." Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and then, talk about you know, the what other is thing the... I would just say, like just in terms of you know AI in um, in financial services. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, many many years ago, I sold OTC derivative trading systems to to um, to Wall Street, and I learned really quickly that the customers' data science team is always smarter than yours, um, and I've I've sort of like carried that throughout life. And so when I think of like a large financial institution and the resources that, you know, the quantitative and the data sort data science resources, you know, it's that's a rich pool of, of very talented resources and investments in, in product areas that that people have for their corporate AI stacks. And so what I often see with the work that we do um, is that there might be things that are already being predicted by other tools inside the four walls of, of, a, of, a, of a bank or a financial institution. And if we can get those into our environment, we can help be the endpoint for them to get them in front of the wealth manager or you know, the banker. And one of the classic examples would be like, you know, on, on a company's website, there might be a lot of interactivity, you know, people on you know, fun fact pages. Uh, all sorts of data about time on page, what they've looked at, how long they've looked at it, and maybe the bank's corporate AI team has built a like a next best product or a, like a propensity to buy. Like I would like openly embrace that and say, let's get that into Salesforce because we can help be the endpoint for that because it's most useful if we give it to the advisors. But then what I would go on to say is that the machine learning that we have, and I already talked about some of the nice attributes in terms of its speed and its interactivity and its sort of no code vibe, but it also um, is really outstanding when, if you've got a process that begins and ends in Salesforce, like a lead that we open, a lead that we close, an opportunity that we start, an opportunity that is won or lost, uh, an onboarding process that begins, an onboarding process that it ends, all that interaction is in Salesforce. And so like in the case of that propensity to buy coming from the bank's AI system, we went and would do propensity to close because then we own all the interaction steps. And so it's it's just a way of, um, I think, embracing like best in class and embracing, you know, fundamentally what we're trying to do is help the wealth manager engage with customers and to help the customers with their financial, you know, wealth goals and to drive, you know, AUM net new assets to the bank. So I find that sort of a nice continuum of embracing things that might be already in place and and adding additional value add on top in terms of the the whole Salesforce journey, plus our machine learning journey on the Salesforce side. Let me just take a quick break from this interview to talk about the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to uh, be participating in this charitable organization. And they give me the honor of uh, every year helping to judge some of the charities that are going to be awarded uh, money. And uh, you can get uh, money for your charity if you are a financial advisor or an advisory firm. And you can also uh, participate in a program that Invest in Others is running called the Charitable Champions. This recognizes financial advisory firms that give back to their communities. Let me just read a little bit. This is on their website, investinothers.org. Uh, the Charitable Champions recognizes financial advisory firms that give back to their communities by promoting a culture of philanthropy amongst their financial advisors and staff. You can submit your firm name uh, to the, the, uh, the organization 
the application is already open. The deadline is July 7th, and the winners will be announced August 16th. Submissions will be evaluated blindly by a panel of advisors based on criteria including leadership and culture, events and activities, incentives, contributions, and impact. Now, I'm not a judge on this. I judge other, I judge usually advisor charities. And um, it's very difficult to do that kind of judging because they give us 10 charities with 10 advisors. And we have to decide which advisor gave the most back to their charity and helped them the most. It's really tough, uh, but you know all the money is going to a great cause. So please go to investinothers.org. And if you are uh, uh, running a financial advisory firm, sign up for the charitable champions list. Talking about driving net new assets, uh, there's a number of out of the box applications for Salesforce FSC. Mm. Can you talk about how those can help advisors and are any of those AI driven? Yeah. Um, so I'll talk about that use case in terms of driving net new assets and then the out of the box stuff. Like one of the um, one of the consistent use cases that we see is that um, you know that firms will have a protocol that every every customer is, is owed a call and a touch and interaction every 90 days. So we'll measure that and we'll help people understand who those customers are that need the call. But then if we add some predictions to it, right? So we might add predictions in terms of propensity to grow. Like what is this customer's propensity to grow net new assets? Like that might be a prediction. It also could be something as straightforward as what is held away with another financial institution. So sometimes you don't have to go, you know, as, as far as, as the machine learning component, you might have data elements that would help you drive that focus. Um, and then adding a prediction on top of that, like what are customers that would um, have a high propensity to go through a full um, financial goal planning like whatever the term would be at the, you know, the institution, like who's really going to put the time and attention into doing a full wealth goal, retirement investment plan, and then grabbing all those predictions together. And then that's the list. That's the target list. Because if you have that, you've got high propensity to grow, you've got high propensity to engage. And, and then th that would be a great focus point in terms of let's use that set of customers to drive net new assets. So, so I just wanted to kind of cover off on that use case. Now, in terms of the out of the box components, like one of our product strategy, um, you know, since we launched FSC, I just call it like taking, taking advantage of the full power of Salesforce. Like with Salesforce, like we have a financial services data model, like, and, and we know like who the user is that's sitting in financial services cloud. It's an advisor. We know what the use cases are. What are they in there day in and day out doing? And you know, and over the years, we have all these best practices in terms of user experiences that are visual with analytics, um, and then predictive uh, use, predictive you know predictions that are that are valuable in the ecosystem as well. So, from a product perspective, um, within I'm with the the CRM analytics team when I make this statement, we started building out of the box applications back in 2016. And what they really serve as is the following, technical accelerators. You can pick these templated packages and you can install them. It knows the Salesforce data model, the user experience, the predictions, and you can install them and go. Now, more likely in large financial institutions, uh, people like to make it their own, whether that's branding or whether it's different use cases. So we fully expect that people will take these things and modify them, but 
in addition to doing the technical acceleration in terms of creating that analytics data set or a predictive model, the other technical, the other, the other acceleration is the focus on the best practices and the use cases. Because if you don't have to sit there and what I call like stare at the tyranny of the blank screen, it's a huge accelerator to align a team of people in terms of what they should build first, second, and third. So it really can serve as a blueprint um, for how to, um, to for how to engage. Um, and so we've got a very rich set of things in, you know, in financial services cloud, you know, everything that focuses on the wealth advisor and their book of business to other applications around appointments and schedulings to other applications that help the back office around complaint management, both in terms of how to, you know, triage and engage with those things and then rip off a sheet of paper and give it off to a regulator. So all these things become validation points, best practices, technical accelerators, um, and then user experiences that you might want to um, that you might want to mimic um, and make your own. You said something that I just highlighted. What was that? Staring at the tyranny of the blank screen. Yeah. Can you explain that? Well, um, with analytics and data and AI, like you've got a pile of data and you've got like some sort of experience that you need to deliver, and that experience that you deliver needs to be done in a very curated way that drives activity, right? Like it, it, it needs to be in the path of the advisor because you're inspiring them to do something with their book of business and their customers. And you know the path between I've got all this data and I've got outcomes I'm trying to drive, that is a blank screen. And so anything that we can do to accelerate that um, is value. Does that make sense? It's it always that better to does. edit than to start from scratch, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's it's the it's the blank space in between, as you mentioned, data and the outcomes you want. Yeah, and that, that's something yeah. we work on, on with a lot of companies is they have a lot of data. Yeah, and they know what their outcomes should be, but they don't know how to go from A to C. That they're missing the B in the middle. Yeah, I mean, and that's like, I mean, this isn't really an AI thing, but it's more a um, I'll just call it a design thinking thing, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, particular in the in the 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 realm of analytics, right? Like analytics is a category that's been around, you know, literally for decades. Mm -hmm. And so you can find a lot of experience in the market of people who know how to work with data and build dashboards and visual things that that count things and and show it show it very nicely visually. And the this skill set of building dashboards for performance reporting is really different from the skill set of building a designed, curated, visual, predictive, contextual, actual, actionable experience in Salesforce. Because really what you're doing there is you're really more an application designer. I mean, yes, you have to know data and you have to know like the, out, the outcomes that you're trying to drive, but it, it's a really sort of a different approach. And so we do a lot of work with customers around um, uh, educating them around design thinking in terms of, you know, who is the persona, you know, what are they doing in Salesforce? What are the questions that they ask and answer every day? What makes answering those questions hard? What is all the compensating behavior? Like what is all the friction in the process? And then all of that around an understanding of what we're trying to get them to do. Because if we don't know the outcome, our user experience will be really cluttered. 
And so using the design thinking techniques that just come from design thinking or, you know, the, the, the jobs to be done techniques of, of designing things, like we try to bring that into the foreground around data and analytics. So these user experiences, quite frankly, just kind of fade into the background as part of their Salesforce journey. Does that make sense? That's exactly the way you want technology to be. You want it to fade into the background. You don't want it to be in, in your face having to deal with it and having to interact with it. You don't, I mean, you're obviously interacting with it, but you don't want it to be yeah. something you have to physically manage. It's just, it should just be there deriving what you need yeah. to do. As you mentioned, if it helps you, you've got to reduce friction in the process. Yeah. And it's all about what their outcomes are. And the, the yeah, technology what, what needs the behavior to facilitate and the outcomes that. are trying to drive and just take it, take it all out. And the, um, so, yeah, so that's a, it's a, it's a big focus. And I always like the, the David Foster Wallace uh, story of like the old fish in the water and the young fish in the water. And mm -hmm. I, I might not tell it exactly right, but the whole thing is like the, um, the, you know, the old fish asks the young fish, like, how's the water boys? And they're like, what water? And so we want, we want the visual and predictive insights when you're in a Salesforce journey to be a what water story, because we just want it to be like, so obvious you wake up in the morning and walk from the, you know, the living room to the kitchen and start your day. Like, who do I call and why? And when I get there, what do I say? And just to make it part of like that engagement model and not about AI, not about like, a, you know, not about inspection, but like engagement with customers. That's exactly right. And the, I, I love that story. Um, I use that, I use that a lot uh, about when a particular technology is going to become mainstream. It's when, it, it's when you don't even notice it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the way people talk about AI is great. I can use it. I can just go, I can go to chat GPT and do this, but yeah, but you're still going somewhere. You have yeah. to know how to what prompt to use. It's still, it's, it's way better. It's yeah. still not, is not going to be something that's going to directly drive a lot of advisor productivity until it's built in to yeah. the underlying fabric of what yeah. they're doing. And it just appears yeah. uh, in front of them without ha them having to do anything differently. That's yeah, when it's, exactly. that's when the, the true, um, uh, benefits in in productivity and engagement and driving better outcomes will will uh, start to appear. Yeah. There is another area I wanted to talk about before we run out of time. Einstein is your your product name for um, the the AI parts of Salesforce, yeah. and I'd like to learn more about Einstein recipes. Uh, How okay. can wealth management firms learn leverage? I, I let me for me a recipe is here's a preset group of instructions you can follow to get a certain outcome without having to go and have to spend as much time putting it together yourself. Yeah, Is that yeah. what they are or are there something else? So uh, just maybe a comment on the word Einstein. Einstein at Salesforce just represents our AI brand. There are, there are products called Einstein. There are features branded Einstein. It just means that something in our ecosystem has been uh, AI enabled. So it's sort of, it's very pervasive and it's across sales, service, marketing, commerce, everywhere. Yeah, we've noticed, you've gone a little crazy with that. Got a little Einstein crazy at Salesforce, I think. Everything's now called yeah, Einstein. It, it's, it is our, our, AI, AI, our AI brand. Mm. Um, now, in the case of recipes, um, and this is sort of an interesting like altitude question, right? Like, so all these other things have been about driving behavior and net new assets and focus for a, a wealth advisor. A, a recipe technically for us at, at, within the product line is a data transformation where we take data and we process it and, and derive new things. So like in financial service cloud, it might be things like taking a whole bunch of accounts and aggregating it into like a household, like this is this is the AUM of that household. It might be more like um, 
aggressively complex transformations. You know, maybe we're doing things like invoking one of our machine learning models and calculating sentiment along the way, or maybe we're doing other types of math and transform. So it's just a technical data transformation where we're working with Salesforce data or the, the firm's data to derive, calculate, predict, transform, and then get it into an environment that we're either visualizing or, or servicing up to the, the user in some way. I've never heard that those two um, adjectives put together before. I love it. Which uh, two adjectives? <laughs> aggressively complex. Well, uh, there can be simple stuff like take the take these numbers and aggregate it up because I want a total AUM for this household. And there can be like in other parts of our portfolio, we do a lot of really complex things. So and and you know this is outside of the domain of financial services, but that same recipe component does all the mathematics for us for rebate programs. And so you can imagine rebates programs can be very complex because there can be volume tiers and there can be product, like this product is in, this product is out. Like, it, it, you know, at this tier of volume, something else happens and what if there's a return? So like those can be very complex. You know, we do similar things with loyalty point management for, um, for members who accrue points with usage of products and services also can be complex. So. Um, you know, aggregating household accounts could be straightforward, but the, the math that we do can be more aggressively complex. I'm going to steal that when I talk to clients. They say, well, is this a big problem? This is a, it's not only is it a complex problem, it's aggressively complex. <laughs> it's a lot of math. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of math. It's a lot of math. And, and you, want to, you want to do it nicely and visually. Yes. Yeah. I was reading about uh, a new a press release just came out about Einstein GPT. Mm -hmm. uh, where you're partnering with OpenAI and it's going to be going through all of your different products. I was most interested in Einstein GPT for Slack. Well, Einstein, like we, as you mentioned, like we, you know, we launched officially um, Salesforce, you know, Einstein GPT, I think three weeks ago at mm -hmm. Salesforce AI Day in New York. And our plans uh, for those types of experience are, are literally across the entire portfolio at Salesforce um, around sales, service, um, analytics, marketing, you know, all of these areas and Slack as well. Uh, and Slack is obviously a really rich environment of unstructured data. Um, and so um, like internally, I've been using capabilities uh, with Slack that summarize the channels that I participate in um, and just give me give me the quick summaries of of what's happening. So so that's a very rich environment for that. Um, as is on the servicing side of things, you know, with with Salesforce Service Cloud, just a great environment both to help operate, uh, you know, service agents and operators um, with um, proactive uh, prompt response. So it's much easier and quicker to respond to customers with. Uh, large language models uh, suggesting responses, all with a human in the loop that an agent can then edit or just use. And then the, you know, the case summary and the action steps that are required, you know, after a case, like all of that sort of productivity gain for operators. And then on more of the traditional sales side, you know, doing things like, you know, generating a customer um, interaction um, and doing it in, in a way that leverages what we know about a customer for the CRM, 
but without um, exposing or risking our data. So, you know, if you followed us on AI Day, some of the things that we talk about is the Einstein Trust Gateway, where we do all sorts of things in terms of, uh, you know, prompt engineering, grounding, masking, uh, no prompt retention. So you can leverage all this rich customer interaction that you have, but without exposing, you know, data in ways that were unintended. So sales service marketing, commerce, Slack, like, yes, all of our, all of our product teams throughout Salesforce um, are looking at all their product plans in terms of how we can bring these uh, large language models and experiences to the foreground. At some point, it's just going to be AI talking to AI. Right, we're going to be, I, was, I saw a great, car, a great comic uh, cartoon. It's so uh, an office and the guy was saying, um, I'm going to take this large block of text. I don't have time to read it. I'm going to use AI to summarize it in bullets, like send an email. Other side person, like I got this email, these bullets. I'm just going to give it to AI to expand it, so I don't have to do that work. So it's just one AI talking to another AI, being funneled through humans. But I don't know if you like watched um, Silicon Valley, but there's that one mm -hmm. great thing where they uh, Gilfoyle and I forget his nemesis name. Like they're always arguing with each other, and they they created their little both their little AI bots and like it basically melts down their their production servers because they yeah so kind of silly stuff like that but yeah that could happen uh before we we wrap up are there any uh ai related statistics or any statistics uh we love that uh that sale yeah. that you can share about salesforce yeah so i would um there are a couple things i could share so uh we've been out um ai since 2016 um so it's uh you know way way predates predates the um the gpt stuff that that mm -hmm. we're doing and um and we've, you know, we've baked wherever we can machine learning, both as, as tools people use can build their own, you know, machine learning models within Salesforce, but also we've got all sorts of out of the box products that just do AI. So across both of those things together, like we've got, you know, over a trillion predictions a week that are happening across sales, service, marketing, and commerce at Salesforce. We've got a, a rich, rich, um, you know, team of, of R&D um, that, you know, also, uh, you know, other facts are things like, you know, our AI patents, like over 210 AI patents, uh, many, many AI research papers in the, the research community. So across like usage and adoption, a trillion plus a week. And then in terms of our participation in the ecosystem, you know, with research and, and scientists also, uh, also very prominent. Susan, that was fantastic. Uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about Salesforce? Like I need to tell them that, but uh, oh, tell Salesforce.com. Salesforce.com, of course, yeah. we all know. Yeah, Thank you a, so a... very, very much for being here. Uh, I know we had rescheduled a bunch of times because you're so busy, uh, you're in demand. Thanks again for, for being on the program. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me this morning. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one, Salesforce's AI strategy includes some really interesting stuff. Number one, driving engagement. Two, sentiment analysis. Identifying clients who have flight risks and identifying clients who have a high propensity to engage with new products. All great reasons to check out Salesforce's AI tools. Number two, an interesting AI ML use case that Susan discussed was predicting customer churn, something that every firm wants to know more about. Now, machine learning environments, as Susan explained, are very good at telling you which data is useful for predictions and which is not. This includes data coming from both Salesforce and 
other CRMs, as well as non-CRM data, such as portfolio management. Number three, the Salesforce AI team has been building out-of-the-box applications that run on the Salesforce, plat Salesforce platform since 2016, according to Susan. Uh, these are available through the App Exchange, and they provide two major benefits. One, technology accelerator, and two, best practices. Now, by downloading these, installing one of these apps, a company can get a head start on their AI implementation and you deploy it across the company, as well as take advantage of best practices that are baked into the code uh, that now that are, are now uh, operating across their organization. And that's it. You've made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. In fact, the last one before episode 200. If you made it this far, episode 200, we have a great guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's going to be uh, dropping next week. So we've hit a milestone, 200 episodes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And before you go, go to our website, ezragroup.com. Scroll to the home, bottom of the homepage and subscribe to our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, information, updates. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening and talk to you all again next time. Mm -hmm.